0: Episode of Thoughts from a Balcony. And this is one I've been waiting for, bro. Waiting for a creative to come on, an artist to come on and really talk about their process, their creative juices that they have flowing and how they tap into that. But today I have on my boy Nick Yanosco. We've been friends for a long time, man. We've known each other since like little kids
1: for real. Yeah, riding the bus
0: together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro, that's right. I forgot about that. Long time ago. Long time ago. But Nick, man, so tell me what you got going on. You making any music right now? I know you just mixed and mastered the intro. So hopefully when I got this up, I got the intro with it as well. But I uh, appreciate you for that. It sounded great. Uh, but you got any, any music yourself that you're working on right now?
1: Yeah, I've been um, we're currently working on, um, work playing bass on a friend of mine's record, Matt Sycon. We're uh, in the middle of rehearsing for that and should be recording around April and then I'm also working on a project of my own, getting a band together that I'm going to be calling Home Opener. And that should be cool. That's just like all my original songwriting and uh, getting a band together and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, it should be exciting. I'm, uh, it's like the first thing I've done where I've been like an exclusive songwriter since like six years ago when I had a band called The Natives, which was like my first band ever in high school. And uh, I'm very excited to, like, put, like, my own compositions and be in, like, full creative control of a group for the first time in a while.
0: That's pretty cool, man. No, that's exciting. And you've been doing this for a long time because I remember you were, like, we were probably in sixth grade and you were, like, playing guitar and you were singing and doing that Mm -hmm. type of stuff. So have you been doing it, you know, since that long or was it even earlier that you started?
1: Yeah, like, um My family, uh, my mom, my dad, and my sister are all theater kids, so they're all singers. They're all great singers and great actors and stuff like that. I never had the gusto to put myself on a stage like that, an act or anything like that. I actually like fear it (laughs) quite a bit, but uh, um, I've been doing it since literally sixth grade. I got my first guitar, and uh, my Uncle Bill was a uh, very prominent uh, fixture in the Cleveland music scene. He had a band called Rebels Without Applause. And uh, he picked me up under his wing and just taught me everything that I pretty much know about writing and learning songs and using my ears and all that kind of stuff. So since about I was about 11 years old, I've been playing.
0: That's awesome, man. And the songwriting process for you. So let's just say you want to make a song for a new album. Like, taking me from start to finish. Is this something that, like, pops in your head, you're just sleeping, and you're like, bro, those are some sick lyrics, I got to write those down? Or is it, like, I need to sit down and really put thought into the song and, and write
1: out the lyrics? Typically for me, I write music first. So I'll either start with, um, I um like, at least, like, what, what it's come to now, my process is, is, like, I'll... I'll start with like a drum loop or some drum sample to play along with. And I'll start strumming chords or I'll sit on my acoustic guitar and start strumming chords. And eventually I'll come to a chord progression that I'm like, Oh, okay, that's cool. And usually by the time I finish a chord progression, I have a melody in my head that I'm humming along with it. Mm. And then I, uh, I'll start recording. I usually do everything what we call, um, in the box, which is like on a computer and recording it as I go. And, um, we, uh, I'll sit down and um, start recording, and by the time I'm recording the guitars, I have like some drums going. I'll be working the bass. I might have some lyrics in mind already that I'm working on, and uh, it kind of all happens very fluidly for me. Mm. And I can't really ever force it. It's definitely one of those things that it's just like it has to be spontaneous. It has to be in the moment. It has to like I can never like be like I'm gonna sit down and write a song today. Yeah, because if I do that, it's gonna be trash. But, like, if I do, like, sit down and start playing guitar and something comes into my head and I feel inspired by it, then things just, like, it's, like, one after another. It's, like, I almost am chasing after it versus me controlling Mm. it, you know? Yeah.
0: It's almost like you're tapping into that flow state as you're playing guitar. Because you've been playing for so long, you're so fluid with it. It's almost like that thing in your brain starts to get activated as you're going into this flow state and you're moving and then everything starts to come together which is really cool man and I, i've heard a bunch of your song obviously you did my the intro on everything um and i love it and it's cool it's cool to hear like that flow with it i think i think that's missing a lot in today's music that you hear especially like with the rap and um i sound like an old guy right now but i feel like it's very in your face super hardcore heavy bass lines like just non-stop and there's no more flow to it and that's that's kind of a blanketed statement but i think what's popular isn't a lot of flow to it which is cool to see a lot of people bringing that back and more of a melody and rhythm with it
1: yeah yeah absolutely and like another thing i like to utilize a lot in my music is dynamics Mm. which is just like the difference in volumes and difference in like largeness of sounds and stuff like that and um with my work with like Xavier, um, which is, his moniker is Mad Marb, and uh, a good, good friend of mine, one of my best friends, and uh, we do uh, a lot of working together, and a lot of the music that we make, we make on the spot. Like, I do sometimes make beats beforehand for him, but mm-hmm. I find it's best that I make the beat in front of him, and then as I'm making the beat, he usually like, I know it's good, when he's on his notes app and he's already writing and I'm not even done with the beat yet. I'm just like, okay, sick. Like this is, (laughs) I'm on the right track here. And uh, yeah, it's, it definitely, it's definitely a flow state. And it's like, you have to like lock into that, like mutually inspired mentality where you're like both just like, okay, this is sick. Yeah. I can, I can do this. I can work with this and like, yeah, like, Oh, maybe we should add this and then we could do that. And then you should do this and you should do that. And I like, really fell in love over like the past like four or five years or so with producing Mm. because for the longest time i was just playing in bands and um doing stuff like that but i fell in love with recording and like obviously like doing the uh the intro for you like you know that like i mix and master like all my own stuff and i always like try to keep my hands on everything that i do and control that kind of stuff because like i do Normally, when I do hit that flow state, I have a very clear vision, Mm. which is, like, one of the best feelings in the world to, like, lock into. And, like, you just know it's just, like, all right, this is sick. I like this. And, like, I don't care, really, like, what anyone thinks because this is sick. I love this.
0: Yeah, that's all that matters, bro. And as long as you can be proud of your work, I think that's really the the main component to making good art. Um, But I, I love what you said about being able to have your hands in the entire process. And I think nowadays it so cool is you don't have to like record under a label or do all this stuff. You can be completely independent and do your own thing and, you know, put it out on YouTube, put it out on SoundCloud, whatever you want to do, you have the complete control of what you are putting out there to the world. It's not someone else telling you like, you need to make this type of music or like, I need to make it based off of, you know, what's hot right now? Like, you're like, fuck that. I can do whatever I want because we have all these avenues and all these people that like different types of music and it doesn't matter. There's there's always going to be someone out there who likes it. Um, but if you can't say to yourself like, oh shit, that was cool. What I, what I just made was cool. If you can't say that, that kind of sucks, man. What are you even doing it for, you know?
1: Yeah, that's what's important to me. Yeah. It's just like, if, if I'm like stoked on it, like that's literally the, it's why I do it, you know? It's just like, I do music because I love it. Exactly. And, like, if I'm not loving what I'm doing, then why am I doing it? And uh, a lot of the times, like, I'll stop, like, you know, I'll get halfway through a song, and I'll be like, ah, this is trash, and I'll throw it out, and I'll be fine with that. And it's just like I learn something from that every single time. It's just like, okay, well, I didn't like this because of this, and, like, i figured out that like i can do this differently and then i apply all that knowledge to the next thing that i do and um it's just a really fun learning process like going through it and i always like i preach this you can ask any of my friends that i'm um in the music scene like i always preach everyone should know how to record themselves i think it's a absolutely inexpendable tool Mm. for any musician to be able to just like record a demo it doesn't even have to necessarily be a finished product like me personally like i love reaching that start to finish thing but like for anyone to be able to express themselves in any way to another musician it's a fucking inexpendable tool to be able to just like sit down and write your stuff get your ideas out maybe lay down like a bass line that you want that you heard in your head that you want your bass player to play or you like you lay down a guitar part that you really want a guitar player to play when you get a band together. And you can really be like, instead of being like, oh, I want you to like, bounce, chicka, bound wham, yeah. wham, You can be like, no, this is the part. I want you to like, Like, listen to this demo. And like, I want you to try and emulate this to the best of your ability. And um, I found that to be another inexpendable tool. Even that, like, to not like, um, not not even like in the sense of putting it out, but just expressing ideas to other people that you want to work with.
0: That's, that's huge, too, especially when you're in a band. You need to communicate these ideas, especially when you're the producer, right? Like if you're unable to communicate what you're looking for, they're never going to be able to emulate that exact sound that you're looking for. And then that leads to frustration. And then the group starts to, I feel like that's, that's what's going to happen eventually if that communication isn't there.
1: No, for sure, and like I found like one of the uh, the hardest things to communicate, or one of the hardest people to communicate with in a band is the drummer, because um, sometimes like you can beatbox something to them, but they're still gonna look at you with like a confused look and be like, "Man, I don't, I don't know what you mean," and it's just like, "Yeah, well." And like, being able to actually, like, program, like, a drum beat and be like, this is the drum beat that I want. And, uh, or, like, something similar to this. Like, play this. Because I'm in, a, like, like, I said, I'm doing, like, a project with uh, Matt right now. And uh, we've, we've run into a few of those situations where it's, like, we're playing other people's songs and being, like, you know, like, this drum beat. But, like, it's to a completely different song. Mm. And it's kind of hard to get that communication across. And, yeah. Um, it's just like yeah like like I said it's just like a really really powerful tool to be able to put it all down have something tangible to show someone and be like this is the idea and like like I said like I do really like I'm not like a complete control freak but I do like having that control of being able to like accurately communicate something to someone mm-hmm. and have them understand that like This is what I want. And they can be like, "Okay, I have something to hear. I have something to reference. And I think that's huge. Mm. And i like I said, I think every every musician should be able to do it or at least to some capacity be able to do it. That
0: makes sense. No, That makes sense. Um, You know, I I think artists uh, are seen in a different life, different light than maybe an athlete or someone else in another field. But I think there are a lot of overlaps. And one I wanted to ask you about, and I was always I always curious about this, is failure, right? Like I feel like a lot of athletes or even like business people, whatever, there are certain points in the process where they feel like, damn it, I failed. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is a failure, I gotta overcome, whatever. Is there any time in your process where you're like dealing with that emotion and, and feeling that type of, of failure or disappointment? Or is it always like very creative and just like okay i'm doing this i'm doing that i'm just making it flow
1: oh yeah no i I definitely like deal with failure a lot i have more uncompleted projects on my computer than Mm. i do completed ones you know like there's so many situations where i'll sit down and i'll spend two three hours making something and then i'm just like trying to figure out how to get it to that finish line point and you're really trying to cross that finish line and it's like almost like that thought in itself of just trying to cross the finish line is almost detrimental to the process mm-hmm. where you're just like, oh, yeah, like, I, I started this. I got to finish it, right? And it's like, no, you don't. Like, it's okay to set something down and come back to it. Or like, th- and, that, and that's happened too. Is like where I've, I've not finished something. I've been like, oh, this is trash. I'm not going to finish this. And then like a year later, I'll find some weirdly named demo on my computer and I'll be like, what was this? And I'll pull it up and be like, oh, this was sick. And then I'll finish it on that spot. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it takes that, like, setting it down and coming back to it kind of thing. And, like, in a sense, that's not necessarily a failure. But, um, yeah, like, it's, like, it's a a lot of that. It's a lot of working through, like, it's problem solving. Mm -hmm. Especially, like, with songwriting, it's a lot of problem solving. Because you have to figure out how to get from point A to point B. And um, a lot of times that can be a very convoluted route. Especially when you start getting into... um, non-traditional chords and like different like like i don't know like different like nuance and stuff like that with rhythm tempo changes key changes and stuff like that Mm. like really trying to get yourself back to the root of the song it's like it can be very very convoluted and you can lose yourself in it and it can be very frustrating and sometimes you really do need to like take a step back and it's like very much so like i know like you you train a lot like i know like you can bust your ass every single day and work out but like if you don't give your muscles that time to yes. heal yes. you're not really building anything are you mm-hmm. and like if you if you need to take a step away you need to take a step away you know that's a huge part of the process
0: mm. no that makes sense it's almost like you have to take care of your brain to be creative and do these things that you want to do cuz if you just hammer it hammer it hammer it it's almost like you're looking in this black hole and you can't see anything else around you that's kind of how i i would feel Uh, Like if I got into a mode of like I'm always training constantly, it was almost like I was so one-sided and so closed in. There were other things in my life that would start to derail and start to fall apart. Um, And then while that's happening, I'm also losing interest in the training and not liking the training enough. So I think that's an important piece and especially like in American society, I feel like obsession is so glorified
1: oh yeah instant gratification i call it yeah instant gratification
0: for sure yeah
1: yeah it's just like everyone wants that like instant like i need that result i want that result so badly and like no one ever like everyone uh, or like that that, it's like that old saying it's like it's not about the destination it's about the journey yes and i feel like everyone's so focused on the destination a lot of times especially in american culture and um it's like it can be distracting it can be distracting from getting there the whole time if you're thinking about like oh i'm gonna get there i'm gonna get there i'm gonna do this thing i'm gonna finish this song i'm gonna you know like i'm gonna get my lats built out and like anything like that like uh you can like separate yourself from like the actual activity that you're doing in the moment to get to that point and that can be very detrimental And, like, I'm guilty of it. I think everyone's guilty of
0: it. Yeah. No, I don't think any of us are perfect human beings. Um, But it is is tough because you want it so bad. And, and like, with songwriting, right? Like, I want to finish this song so bad. I want it to make this fucking hit, dude. I want the bass lines to be crazy. I want the chords to sound beautiful. Like, you want it to be perfect in your mind of what it's actually going to sound like. But if you constantly like, if you're up 12 hours a day, constantly working on that song, you might end up with something you're like, dude, this fucking sucks. Yeah, no, no, it's it's very true. Yeah, yeah, dude, I, I, uh, I totally get that, man. And like obsession, um, part of me, I I struggle with this a lot because part of me understands like how much work. It's almost like the 10,000 hours rule, right? Like, is if you just put that amount of work in, you're gonna get there. but you also have to realize like there's so much more to life and so much more balance to life. And especially as an artist who gains inspiration from like going out and just hanging out with friends or like going to do stuff oh, yeah. like out in nature or whatever that is. If you're constantly like you're just in the studio nonstop, you're not going to get that inspiration.
1: Yeah. You got nothing to write about. Yeah. And like, I actually had a, a good friend of mine. I was playing in his band for a while. He said one of the, uh, one of the most profound things I've ever heard where he's in the middle of writing, uh, his third record that I'm, I'm gonna play on as well. Uh, the project's called Ohio civil power. And, uh, he like, he said something to me that I've just like thought was like the coolest thing anyone could ever say for some reason. And he was, uh, he was saying like, oh, I've got like most of this album writ- written. He's like, I'm going to work out some of these songs. And he's like, I figured, By the time I finish these songs that I'm working on right now, I've lived enough life to write the next (laughs) few songs, and I was just like, "Damn, that's so true." Mm. Because you really, we really do like. I mean, especially in like the world of creativity and art, like you do gotta live life in order to have something to say, and to have something to go off of, and. That's huge. Like if you do just like sit around and do nothing but play music, like how are you gonna write a song about writing a song? You can. (laughs) Willie Nelson did it, but Yeah. (laughs) Like He smoked a lot of
0: weed though too, so maybe he was another dimension. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's it's also too like it's that top of the mountain peak. Like whether that's creating a song or whether that's like achieving a dream, right? Like, oh I'm I'm playing it the agora or like I get to play a playoff square or whatever you know what I mean whatever that dream is you get there and then it's like fuck what next like I just spent my entire life trying to get to this point and I got there and now I realize like I'm not as happy as I thought it was thought I would be like you get in that moment you're like this is really cool I love this but afterwards you're kind of left with this like sunken feeling and I think it's important to always be focused on that process rather than like that end goal of finishing a song or you know getting that you know for me right like finishing college or like going and getting my college scholarship to play football like that I struggled with that a lot is like this is the top of a mountain peak like what the fuck do I do now yeah for it's sure. weird for yeah sure
1: no definitely and like it's almost like more fun for me to like be in the process of getting there yeah than it is to actually be there Because like, like you said, like I was in a band that was pretty successful, Oregon Space Trail of Doom for, I mean, we worked for four or five years. And like you were saying earlier, like people who can do things individually, we were an entirely self-sufficient operation. We had an in-house artist. I was recording everything that wasn't, um, that wasn't our direct albums. I was doing, we had like a side project, like Oregon Space Trail of Jazz. I recorded and mixed and mastered all of those songs and um we were just like doing everything in house um the guitar player ryan is a phenomenal videographer he was doing music videos for us he was filming and editing live videos for us we did a benefit for um the winchester and the happy dog during covid that i i did all the audio for and he did all the video editing for um we did have other videographers on site to um to film that and um it was just like really beautiful to be part of like, it was like a company, you know? Yeah. And like that stuff was like really cool and like working and doing those things was a lot cooler than putting them out because by the time you put them out, you're like, okay, what's next? Yeah. And that's the best mentality you can have instead of being like, not like, what do we do now? It's like, no, what's next? You know, like that was sick. That was cool. Now what can we do else that's cooler? Or what can we do else? That's like going to benefit us in this, in this, uh, this momentum that we've we've accrued from being as creative as we can in all facets of it, and um, yeah, it's just like being able to recognize that creating is almost the mountaintop, mm-hmm. and being there, like, and being a part of like the action is like, at least for me, it's like it's what I seek. You know, I seek to be a part of the process because I know like right now I'm having the most fun on this this album I'm working on um rehearsing and just helping Matt arrange parts and coming together and uh getting everything together and fleshing out these songs that I know by the time we sit down and record them that I'm going to be like I'm going to have a whole bunch of fun recording it but at that point like when he puts it out it'll be like I'll have had all my fun mm-hmm. you know yeah and like, I'll get to, I'll, I'll have this beautiful thing to sit back and listen to and right. look at and be like, I did that, yeah. and that's great, and that's to, to be appreciated, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But like, for me, like the process of doing all that stuff is just like, is so fun and so fulfilling and so distracting that you almost don't realize you're doing it, and like, it's just so exciting, and like, when you get to get in a room with people. And you're all on the same page and you're all just flowing together it's really like a beautiful beautiful thing and that's another thing that like like I was saying with like making music with Zave like just being in the room making the beat with him having him write the lyrics on the spot by the time I'm done with the beat he's ready to go so like I don't even have to worry about sitting around and waiting mm-hmm. like I just finished the beat he's just like alright cool I got it first it's like sweet let's lay that down And then by the time that's happening, I'm like doing all like the little like intricate stuff around it, making cuts around lines and making different things pop out about him. And like another thing that I really love is like I hate being a front man. I'm only a front man because I have a vision Mm. and I have a vision of like what I want to do. But I really like backing people up and seeing other people's visions come to be. That's why I like playing bass
0: yeah that's cool it, yeah you like hold it down it's like uh i've always envisioned bass bass in the drums as like that's that constant rhythm that you're always having and then the guy in the guitar the front man is just going fucking crazy you know he's doing his thing but no matter what happens no matter what he's doing on that creative strings right like he can look back at you guys and know like oh they got me like i'm good oh yeah we
1: call it the pocket okay being in the pocket
0: very cool very cool i love that man um, you touched on a couple of things. One I want to talk about is going back to that flow state and something I've been like trying to implement more in my own life uh, is like accepting the flow of life and almost almost getting lost in what I'm doing instead of like constantly thinking about where I'm not or what happened in the past or what's going to happen in the future Like I am just accept full acceptance of right now in this process. And that kind of ties into what you were saying too with like working with other people. When you accept that flow of life, you're so tuned in to those other people. And I feel like that's how you create beautiful art or just like connecting with another human being, which I think is another beautiful part of this human experience. But you're not going to get that if you're constantly like your brain is somewhere other than where you are.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And it's like it's definitely about being in the room with the person too. And um really like seeing them like get excited too gets you excited and you can kind of like go off of that momentum with each other where you're like, "Oh, this is great." Like and when you're both recognize like this is great, like you can kind of like it's like a ramp mm-hmm. and like a snowball effect where it's just like you just get on top of each other and you're just like okay we could do this and we could do that and like all this kind of stuff and really getting it together and um losing my train of thought um really like just like being on the same page and it's like almost like for me like when you're in that room with the music and you're both like vibing with that song it like really connects two people together Mm. in a way that like you wouldn't necessarily have in like a hang or a conversation. It's very like tacit, it's very like nonverbal. And you're both just like kind of nodding your head. Like one person's pacing around the room. I'm at the mixer doing my thing, maybe playing chords or whatever, adding a synth line or whatever. And I'm just like nodding my head. Look over my shoulder. I see Zave nodding his head. He's typing in his notes app. And it's just like, it's encouraging. It's in it's in, like that mutual encouragement of each other is just like, man, it's like, you can't be stopped in that moment. It's like really like really powerful. And like, I, ch- I, I yeah, I chase that feeling. I chase that yeah. feeling of just like that mutual encouragement, that just mutual inspiration of having like, and when you can do that with a full band, like you can do that with four people, five people, eight people. And, like, you can get them all in a room and the, everyone's just on the same page. You're just like, wow, I didn't know you could do this. Like, <laughs> the first time I ever played music was also the first time I ever smoked weed and played music mm. at the same time. It was with Joey Shannon. Okay. And I went over to his house in high school, like, freshman year. And um, I played bass. It was, like, also the first time I ever played bass. In a band. It was a lot of firsts for me that day. And um, I just remember, like, we played My Generation by The Who. And I had to learn that bass solo, but I just, like, remember being so scared of it, but, like, we smoked, and I just, relaxed, and we just, like, got together and played, and I was just, like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. (laughs) Like, this is so cool. This is so cool feeling, like, feeling the vibrations of everything. Because, like, my parents, like, I wanted to play drums, Mm -hmm. and my parents were, like, absolutely not. Like, we are not having that kind of noise. Uh, You can have a guitar. I was just, like, damn it. And I still, I, I'm not a bad drummer. I'm not a good drummer, but I still, like, steal people's drumsticks and play their kits every once in a while. But, um, yeah, just, like, first, like, getting in that room with, like, a kick drum, like, a real fucking kick drum is mm-hmm. just, like, oh, man, it's a powerful feeling. And, like, just, like, having, yeah, even, like, two people, three people just, like, synchronize is just, like, Wow, we could do this! Like I'm still amazed by it to this day. And I've been doing it for 12 years.
0: Yeah, you know it's it's also outside the band too, 14. because as a damn 14 years.
1: Yeah, 14 years I've been playing music.
0: That's a crazy. Yeah, it's a long time, man. But going back to this, like it's it's more than just the band too. Like it's the people listening. The people in the crowd. Like, do you remember when you played in that basement in OU? Do you remember that at all? Yeah,
1: dude. I remember seeing you being the tallest person in the <laughs> crowd. And, and, like, I was just astonished to see. I was sweating my balls off. It was off. so hot down there. It was so hot. We, we actually we got can uh, we were supposed to play outside mm. and uh, it rained. And we got rained out and someone, because Athens is just a beautiful community um, of just people who are so supportive of the arts um someone was just like well if you guys can't play here come play my house and we moved the whole thing to the person's house and uh the whole uh well uh, my buddy that is my connect well, was my connect down in Athens was Emmett Masha and that dude can put an event together mm. like I still to this day think he should be putting shows together but uh he uh he just like has this way of bringing people together for these events and uh getting people to show up and getting people excited he's in this great band called peach fuzz now and um he would just put together these events in athens and i would come down and it was just like so funny because a lot of the times when you play out of town you're playing for like five six people and like going down to athens it was like i'm playing for at least 75 people every single time because Emmett knows all these people and i remember seeing you down there and i played with two bands that night I played with both uh, Mars Dog and Oregon Space Thrill of Doom. Oh, that's
0: right. Mar- that was it. Was Mars
1: Dog who we saw?
0: I because it was Joey Shannon was on the drums. Yeah, Joey right?
1: Shannon playing drums. Trevor yep. Carmichael playing guitar. Yeah, dude, you guys rocked it.
0: That was so cool, man. I remember it because I didn't even know you guys were down there. But we were at another party and someone was like, "Oh yeah, someone's playing music." And then I some I think someone said like, "Like Trevor Carmichael or some like I heard one of your guys' names." I'm like, "No way, we gotta go there." So I went down in the basement. And you had that basement rocking, dude. It was hot as hell in there. I think, I think Paige was doing artwork while you guys were playing. Oh uh-huh, yeah, she did a lot before. of live painting. Yeah, yeah, that was cool, man. That was a good time.
1: Yeah, that was a great time. Uh, I, I like those are some of my fondest memories. Were some of the Mathens shows I played down there like uh, five or six times, and they were always just a party and just like an absolute event, and everyone is just like so engulfed in just the moment yeah and it was just like yeah like i just like that that's such a great town such a great town i know it's known as like a party school and stuff like that but like the people even the townies there man are great uh great bar down there smiling skull played there a couple times and uh you just meet some like locals and they're just like Man, we just like love to hear music and like we're always down here, like hanging out with the college kids and stuff like that. I'm like, that's great, man. I, I almost uh, moved down to Athens. I didn't even go to college. I just like <laughs> <laughs> almost went down there just to hang out, but I would have lost myself down there. Yeah, that was.
0: I, I remember going down there, and every time I came back, I'm like, yep, I just lost about two years off my life. That was pretty <laughs> crazy. Good times though man. Good times. Oh man.
1: I I did some very irresponsible things in
0: Athens. <laughs> I feel like it's a requirement though. You go down to Athens, you go to OU, you, you gotta act a little uncivilized. It's just a part
1: of it. Man. Oh for sure. Especially if you go down for like Halloween or something stupid oh, like God. that. Like it's just the like fest,
0: I think I saw I think you played during a fest. I think that's why I saw you.
1: I think it was Millfest. Yeah. I think it was Millfest or something like that. It was going on and we were like just some like little like underdog side stage kinda hanging. But uh yeah, I, I've always had fun just wandering around. I mean, the first time I ever went down to Athens, uh, Zave and I just like, we were hanging out with all of our buddies and we were like, we just loaded a backpack full of beer and just walked around until we found a party. And we just started party hopping and just like partying with strangers. And like, I love meeting strangers and I love talking to like random people. It's one of my favorite parts about touring is just like you sitting at a bar waiting for the show to start and you see some old dude who's been sitting at the same bar in indiana for (laughs) the past 20 years and he's got stories i'll tell you what that dude's got stories Mm -hmm. and you're gonna want to talk to that guy he may seem a little weird at first but you break the ice a little bit with him make him laugh and then he'll tell you some stuff and it's great
0: i feel like i don't know man i always say this the best people to have conversations with, or best people to hang out with, are always a little weird. Like you have to yeah. have a little bit of weirdness in you to even be cool. Like you can't, you can't just be some square.
1: No, dude, it's boring as hell. Yeah. Like if you're not like a little off the off center, like I don't know, it's like what are you doing? Like people who like take risks and say outlandish things and have outlandish views, it's just like it gives you a different perspective. It gives you a hugely different perspective on life, and I love that because, like, like I said, like, you can just, like, meet some dude who's been in Wichita, Kansas for, like, his entire life, and he'll tell you some crazy stories about how Welling Jennings used to play pinball at this (laughs) bar down the street, and, like, you would have never heard that story if you wouldn't have gone up and talked to that dude, and, like, it's great.
0: Yeah, it's fun. It's fun hearing, you know, stories from other people, and. So many different experiences, man. Like, that's what makes the the human experience so fun is we have so many people to share it with. And that's why I do this podcast for real is like getting to sit down and hear people's experiences, their life stories, and like understand why they are the way they are is really fucking cool to me because it's like we're all these, we're all these like beautiful creatures of just creativity and love and experience. And it's like, I want to, sap that energy out of you and like bring it out to the world and even if it's just like shared between me and you that's perfect like if one person listens to it great you know what i'm saying like i don't even care who listens to it like as long as this right now is being sparked i think that's that's fucking cool man that's why i do this shit
1: yeah no, it was great. I was I was stoked to hear you started doing this stuff because you've always had a very interesting perspective on things. I've always enjoyed having conversations with you out and stuff like that. Running into you and Todd at like the Happy Dog Todd, and stuff like yeah. that. Todd's He's out in Colorado dude. now, ain't he? Yeah,
0: Todd's doing well out in Colorado, man. He um growing his hair out. He's playing in a band now too, man. I'm so happy for him. Yeah, He's a I great just saw drummer. A little
1: video of him playing. I know Trevor was playing a little bit with him yeah. when he was still out here and stuff like that. I never made it over there to hang out with them, but. That's great. I was stoked to hear that he was playing drums because I always just knew him as a, as just, like, an athlete. And yeah. I was just like – I always, like, love to find out when people play music that I don't expect to play music. Yeah. Because I'm just like, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Like, that's great. Like, you should be playing music. And, like, I think everyone should, like – I mean, I, I think everyone has an appreciation for music in, in some way, shape, or form. I mean, everything has a soundtrack. You can't watch a movie without music. You can't watch a commercial without music. Yep. You can't. Yeah, it's just it's it's all it's all very i mean even life just has a rhythm you hear a train go by i mean we were having a conversation at a rehearsal the other day like how the train is probably one of the most pivotal things in american music especially with like country and stuff like that mm. and, like it's just like there's like so many things in life that aren't inherently musical that are musical and i think that's like really cool to recognize those things so, like there's been a few situations at jobs where, like, I've heard a weird sound coming from, like, a drip in, like, a faucet. And I'll, like, voice memo and sample <laughs> it. <laughs> That's
0: awesome, dude. No, that makes that makes sense. I, uh, I think it was Aerosmith, man. And I could be wrong, but I think it was Aerosmith.
1: The Sugar Packet? Yes. You yeah. know the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah Steven yeah. Tyler with the Sugar Packet. Yes. They forgot the maracas. Yes, dude. Yeah. See, like,
0: you can make music out of anything and I've always been so fascinated with music, music, obviously loved it for really my entire life, but it's also like, it has this profound feeling inside your body when you hear it. Like it it elicits this profound feeling that I can't really pinpoint. Like when you hear a good song or hear something that you haven't heard in a while and you know all the words to it, like that feeling, I, I feel like I've never captured that in anything else I've done, whether that's like winning a football game or like, you know, whatever it is. I don't, I don't think I've ever felt that feeling when like you mentioned it earlier, like that head nod, when you're all just like, Oh, you going yeah. in on a song. Like, that is so cool to me.
1: No. Yeah. It's great. It's like, I really appreciate the things in life that are nonverbal between people. Mm. Cause like, it's like, it's, it's not as rare as you think it is that people like, can connect without words. I work in construction, so I work with a lot of Mexican people and, um, I was just working on a, a fire board up in Willoughby. There was a giant apartment complex fire this past weekend.
0: I saw that over at Chigan river. Yeah.
1: And wow. I, uh, I did, de- I did the board up for that. And, um, I was working with people who didn't speak a lick of English and like, you can still communicate with each other and still work together and still do things very efficiently and very well without having language and without having that like air of communication and uh that that translates into a lot of other things even with people who speak mutual language like with music and stuff like that and training and like there's a lot of things like even like on like on a football field like mm-hmm. i mean i i see it all the time with uh like i, I love watching football and uh I can only imagine the lack of communication people have in the NFL with, like, all that noise that's going on. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, I remember we
0: used to, like, back in high school, when I was, I think it was, like, well, maybe it was sophomore, junior, and senior year. But we used to, like, when we got ready for the playoffs and it would be, like, a big game, we would play over the loudspeakers, like, the same song over and over and over again, or, like, crowd noise, just to, like, get us in that mode of having to communicate like non-verbally, like, you know, using like finger cues or, um, you know, just slapping like someone on the side of the hip, like, yo, you need to slide over, or, like whatever that is, because you're right. Um, sometimes, especially with mouthpieces too, like you could hear somebody say something and it's just like, what the fuck did that person just say? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, just but... jarbled nonsense. But if it's a, uh, you know, a tap or some type of head movement or like a hand signal or something like that. Um, yeah. It made it, it made it a lot easier definitely did uh so hey man um I want to go back to your music process and like inspiration so obviously like you get inspiration from artists and and stuff like that and I want to get into that too but outside of actual music like where do you think you get most of your inspiration from to write songs and make music like is it like heartbreak is it you know going and having conversations with those people in indiana like what what specifically do you think really contributes to that
1: a lot of my stuff that i write about is personal experience Hmm. and um it's just like um different things that i i have gone through and different things that i have had with um relationships definitely are a huge part of um what i write about and um just, like, uh, general philosophy, too. I, like, just, like, write about my state of mind. And, like, what I like to say is, like, I like to create a mood. And I like to create an atmosphere with my music. And I like to um, put people in a place and try to get people in a similar mindset of um, where I'm at. If, mm-hmm. like, as, as close as I can. That's, like, that's my end goal with writing a song is to... Uh, get the listener to try and be as close to where I'm at when they're listening to it as I can and like really like tap into like what I'm experiencing. So like I have, um, a song called it's been a long time and, uh, it's all about seeing someone like that you used to be hugely infatuated with a long time ago and you guys actually finally came together and, uh, you guys actually, like, are running the what-if of, like, that situation. And I try my best to convey that to, in a way that, like, a person can understand and be like, oh, yeah, like, I know that feeling. Like, I know what it's like to, like, separate from someone for five or six years and come together or, like, creating a song about doing something as trivial as, like, doing drugs or anything like that and, Mm. like... Having like a friend who was like too far, I had a friend who was like addicted to heroin and I wrote a song about him being uh, really like damaging people around him. And like, I know that's something that a lot of people can relate to having a friend who's just like messing up in their life and damaging things and, and like really wanting to help them, but like not being able to, uh, not being able to help anyone who doesn't want help themselves and stuff like that. And uh, there's a lot of, like, those situations in life that I try to convey in my music, and I try to make it as relatable as I can while also being very specific to my own personal experience, which is what I like to write about quite a bit. Hmm. Okay. Now, that that makes a lot of sense. I feel hey, Real quick.
0: Can I take a piss? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> right, we'll quick. crop this out. All right, we had to take a piss break, man. It's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst when you have to pee, and you're trying to, like communicate a thought and the only thing you can think about is like bro I got a piece." so that's
1: <laughs> yeah. right I, I was holding on.
0: No, but anyways, we were we were talking about inspiration that you got outside, like in your real life that you put into your songwriting and your chord progressions and all that stuff. Um so yeah, you were talking about obviously like heartbreak relationships. Uh you're talking about, you know, a friend who had the, the drug issue so yeah dude I think a lot of artists do that and I think that's what that's what resonates with people like being real and authentic and kind of sharing a piece of yourself in your music I feel like those are always the best songs you know the ones yeah. that really hit home are the ones that you relate to on such a deeper level you're like damn was this song written for me like I <laughs> I feel like I and that's that's so many like people you know what I mean like although we are very different, we come from different backgrounds and we have a different life experience and different paths there's still so much overlap in terms of like feelings, emotions, circumstances. And, um, yeah, man, I think like a really good artist is able to to capture that kind of like, like you were talking about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, it's definitely like something that you gotta like tap into if you really want to like write something profound um, is something that like you've experienced yourself because like I like, I I often encounter these songs that like I'm a music first person. I am horrible with like memorizing other people's lyrics and like listening to lyrics. I usually takes me about a third listen of a song to actually like hear all of the lyrics of a song. And, uh, I really like just like I I always tell people the first thing I ever hear in a song is the drums. And like from there, I just like work my way up from drums to bass to all the chords and stuff like that. And uh, by the time I listen to the lyrics of a lot of these stuff, it's just like I get like a little turned off by music when it's just like cut and paste lyrics of just like, oh, you know, like I had a bad day. You know, like songs like that, and like I don't know, like Maroon Five, sick music, Maroon Five, badass band, like they sound great. Adam Levine's lyrics, trash, absolute trash. (laughs) But like, if you get past that, like it's awesome, like it's awesome music,
0: really. I see, listen, I will actually give Maroon Five a second chance because you put me on a crong bin, but dude, I'm not gonna lie, I hate Maroon Five, early
1: Maroon Five. Don't go into, like, once it, become, once it became, like, Adam Levine, Adam Levine, mm. like, listen to, like, their first two records, they're great. Same with Kings of Leon. Kings dude. of Leon, their dude. first two records are amazing.
0: So good. The Sex on Fire record, that's a good one. Yeah. That, like, that whole album, that first song on the album, what is it, like, Closer or something like that? Bro, that first song on the album goes so crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So good. I can't believe I put you on a crookman. That's crazy. Yeah, dude, you did. I've you seen did. them, like, seven times
0: brother so i just saw him for the first time
1: last year was it was that your first time at the agora yeah Uh, the one that we were at yeah
0: i don't know if we ran into each other i remember i I think a lot of people there but i think think we texted yeah yeah yeah, something like that um yeah bro no cronvin's fucking crazy
1: yeah they sound just the same as the record as they do live and it's amazing oh my
0: god yeah i love their music no you i i have the only one i don't have is the dubbed cd you know what i'm talking about yeah
1: yeah the one where they do the uh, the dub style music i yeah. love it though like
0: i love dub music like that type oh, of oh yeah dude yeah i love when uh sublime used to do their dub stuff i don't know if you've ever listened to any of that
1: i i've listened i like sublime's punk stuff like when they like like songs like ebon yes that's a, good like, one. that's a good one but uh or like uh saw red with gwen stefani is another good sublime song mm. Don't quote me on liking Sublime, everyone, but I do like Sublime a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, like, I love dub music, but I like, I like old dub music, too, like Linval Johnson and stuff like that, and, uh like, Bob Marley's great,
0: and... uh I like Barrington Levy. You ever listen to him? mm Dude. I, I'll send you some songs after this. I think you'll fuck with it. It's a lot of dance hall
1: type of music. Okay, like ska. Yeah,
0: very ska, but uh like he has a, a jamaican voice like it's not like the american ska you yeah, know what i yeah, mean yeah uh so you, yeah i think you'll like it a lot um so yeah dude i wanted to ask you this question like what's in your playlist right now what, do you, what are you bumping lately
1: man i've been listening to a lot of chris Christofferson chris
0: christopherson that's the motherfucker who played in blade right wasn't that
1: no 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 he was uh, uh did he play was that, he in dude blade? that was him was he in blade no. i'm almost positive Maybe he's an old country dude.
0: He was the one who had, uh, he was like, Blades' guy. He was his his right hand man. Oh man, he I would always know. create like all the weapons for him and everything. I promise, go I'll go back fact. and look at I'll that look, movie. Look, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's I'll him. That's the
1: factor. Chris Christopherson. Okay, but yeah, I've been listening to a lot of Chris Christopherson. He's great. Um, I love Willie Nelson. Um, I listen to like a lot of old country music right now, just because like. The songwriting is, like, fantastic. And the playing, like, I I love pedal steel guitar. I love fiddle. Um, Just, like, that chicken-picking style guitar. The bass and, like, the bass lines and songwriting. Like, yeah, the lyrics are great. They just tell great stories. And, like, I think it's, like, a really big part of American culture that uh, is often overlooked. Because, like, I can't get behind, like, the pop country of today. Like, I don't really listen to anything country past, like, the 70s and like, there's some really good stuff that happened in the 90s, um, mm. but uh, like I I listen to as far back as like the 40s and 50s with country music and uh, it's really good. And uh, aside from that, I've been listening to this guy Spilly Cave, who's just like this like solo producer. He has a song Minutia that's like, he's a he's a phenomenal guitar player and he's just like a really cool songwriter. And then uh, this rapper Mike, all caps. He's coming in March, and I implore anyone to go to Mahal's and see him. I saw him last year, and he is just, like, one of the best rappers out it. He's it. Uh, good friends with Earl Sweatshirt, if you like that style of rap. Um, it's very heady, and it's, like, very, like, conscious, and, like, the producing is, like, really wacky and, like, not, like, very atypical. And um, I think it was his producer. Oh, Zabe would yell at me for not knowing this
0: is does has Earl Sweatshirt done stuff with this producer? He has done stuff. Is it The with Alchemist?
1: Producer. Not The Alchemist. I was no. going to say that's pretty cool. No, The Alchemist is sick. No, this dude's this dude's uh lower key. Okay. This dude made uh he made a beat for um uh Earl Sweatshirt's Feed of Clay um record. I don't remember what it was, but it didn't make the cut. Mm. Um I there's like a whole bunch of uh a whole bunch of stuff around that. But um yeah, like uh who else have I been listening to? i should probably just open up my Spotify. I, i'm so bad like you'd think i would just have like this encyclopedic knowledge of music but i actually reference my my spotify more often than not
0: that's so funny dude i, I, was I just have to have it yeah <laughs> it's like the one app that i will i'll pay like i don't want spotify to hear this at all but i would pay a hundred dollars a month oh uh, dude i hate
1: it because they don't pay their musicians but i like i'm so down you get like per listen or it's like every thousand listens you get a tenth of a cent i think no way that's like it i think it, I, it, may, it, may, it might be a hundred listens okay you get a tenth of a cent damn and uh yeah it's really hard to uh oh blaze foley blaze foley's fantastic chet okay. baker is a really good old jazz guy um who else harry nilson harry nilson's fantastic uh uh, John Lennon was once asked who his favorite band was, and he said Harry Nelson is God, and uh, I stand by that fact. And uh, also J.J. Cale, who wrote um, a bunch of songs that Eric Clapton and Leonard Skinner did, like "Call Me the Breeze," and uh, uh, he d- has this really beautiful song called "Crazy Mama." And uh, yeah, like really a lot of uh, a lot of old American music, mm. a lot of old American music i've been like really like honing into like my country stuff and like my newest project is going to be very like late 50s 60s kind of like inspired singer songwriter rock and roll like bob dylan like rolling stones kind of stuff like that taking homage from people like people like chris christopherson and willie nelson and incorporating like a lot of country rhythm and bass but with like a more of like rock and roll style like uh chords and lyrics and stuff like that.
0: Very cool. No, I'm excited for I'm excited for that man. I think that's uh that's not a sound you hear very often anymore and like you said it's it's almost like a lost art, especially with the the pop country scene now, like the Stretch. the blo- the blossom yeah. country, um, you know what dude, I mean? Dude, Blossom
1: Country. I still remember in high school just like cringing looking at photos of just like girls who would just like don't like country music who would just show up in like Daisy Dukes and like cowboy boots that they would get their dad to buy them for 200 bucks for just for the weekend. And oh, they'd yeah. never wear them again. It's just like,
0: it was a scene. I never, <laughs> yeah. I never went to him, but yeah, never, no, never. I, never. I, I know. I, I
1: saw Willie at Blossom. Oh that really? Awesome. Yeah. Just this past summer. He oh, was great. He's still I, holding I, down.
0: That's crazy, dude. I didn't know he was still playing. I didn't.
1: He played with ZZ Top. It was sick. That's crazy. And Government Mule.
0: That's pretty cool, man. No, I didn't know that he was even still playing. I didn't even know he was still alive, to be Bro, honest. Bro, he was born in
1: 1933,
0: and he's still playing.
1: Still playing. 1933. That's dude. He's on. He's
0: 100. No, he's 90 years old. Yeah. That's crazy. Actually, you know what? I have a another one. I saw you mentioned jazz, so I went to go see the Cleveland Jazz Orchestra the end of January mm. at the Malts Performing Center. You ever been over there?
1: I played the Malts, dude.
0: I, next time you play the mall, you gotta let me know because I love that venue. It I was
1: know. a private, like uh it was a COVID stream.
0: Oh okay, yeah, okay. No, it's it's such a beautiful venue. The architecture is amazing, and just everything was really cool. Um, But it was you ever heard of Johnny Mathis? He's yeah. like an, okay, yeah. So it was like all his music, and they did a whole history lesson basically on him from like when he first started writing music to the end of his life. It was. It was really cool. But one of the guys who was singing was 88 years old, dude. Like, very Frank Sinatra vibe to him. Yeah, and it
1: had, like, that, uh, vibrato. Yeah, it yeah. was
0: so cool, dude. It was like, man, he's still doing this. And uh, that's something I've always admired about musicians and artists and everything.
1: Oh, yeah, Willie still takes guitar solos.
0: Yeah, like, you, yeah. you can do it forever. Like, I can't, you know what I mean? Like, my thing was always football. That was always, like, something I loved, my passion. And... You can't do that forever, bro. So it's like, no, you can't. as a musician, I've all like if I ever have a kid, I'm definitely gonna encourage getting into the arts like immediately mm-hmm. because there's
1: oh you can teach your kid perfect pitch, and I I just found out about this. okay. So you can te- you can teach uh, like children under the age of five perfect pitch. I don't know if this is cruel or not, but I'm doing it to my offspring. <laughs> like you can like sit them at a piano and be like, this is an A this is a c this is an f sharp and then like you just keep training them at it and then eventually someone can play a note for them and they'll be like that's an f sharp i can't do that and like it's like a really cool thing and you lose it eventually like you go deaf with it eventually mm. but um like people have you ever heard of jacob collier uh-uh. he's like a british like he's a huge british like kind of like pop artist um but he's just like he just does these crazy arrangements of like these songs and like with like 12 part harmony with like crazy diminished chords and all this gobbledygook (laughs) and um he has perfect pitch and and like or charlie pooth if you know charlie yeah he has perfect pitch Yeah, yeah so he have you ever seen him do like interviews where they're like Hit a side of a coffee mug, and he'll tell him what note it is and stuff like. Yeah, that. I've seen yeah. him just
0: make out a song out of nothing. Like that's. Yeah. I've seen those videos. Yeah. Yeah,
1: for sure. And like, I just like think that would just be like a cool thing to like teach a kid, and they're definitely getting piano lessons. I wish I could play piano. <laughs> I can, but like not very well. Mm. I can just like stab chords, but I'm not like running up and down like Herbie Hancock or nothing yeah. like
0: that. Yeah. Dude, Herbie, I ha- oh, love his music too. I got a, I got his, uh, I don't remember the name of the album but the one with watermelon man on it headhunter headhunters yeah that's a good one yeah. that's a good one yeah man that's that's super cool uh we were just talking about me and carly were just talking about the piano and how long like i feel like that's just such a hard instrument to play how long have you been i guess trying to learn since you say you're not super um, great at it
1: yet probably like six years i've like sat down with them like a little bit I've never like had a piano in my house. I have um like a little like MIDI controller, mm. like keyboard, which is what I do, like all my like synth chords and stuff with that on like my music and stuff like that. And, um, but I like, it's just so like, it's a different, it's a different mistress, but I've heard that it's easier to go from piano to any instrument than it is to go from any instrument to a piano. So I think it would be smart to teach my kids piano first and then introduce them to a guitar and then introduce them to a drum kit and a bass and Mm. all that sort of stuff. And um, I'd really like to learn how to play a horn, but I feel like I'm too old for that now. You think so? I don't know.
0: Here's a dude. I anytime anyone says they're too old for that, one, I don't think that's true. Second, I remember this one professor I had who was old as dirt, and he's like, "Yeah, I just started playing guitar like ten years ago, and now I play like, you know, these shows just from here and there." But he loved it, bro. So it's like, you know, he was your age, wasn't even thinking about playing guitar, and now he's playing shows. So like, I feel like if you wanted to, you could do it, bro. You're you're musically gifted. It's like playing guitar, bro. Like when you first started, you like you know you're not gonna be good. Like it's gonna take you a long time to understand how to move your fingers and like what you're actually listening to.
1: See, I at my at, my, at that point I was just excited that I mm-hmm. had a guitar because I was like a little eleven year old, and I was just like, I remember I wanted to learn Metallica so bad, and I still can't play like Kirk Hammett. <laughs> That was, like, my one goal when I, like, first wanted to pick up guitars. Like, I want to be Kirk Hammett. And uh, my uncle was just like, I'm going to teach you the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that's what I know how to play. And then I just, like, grew in love with, like, all that kind of music.
0: Yeah. Dude, I I think that was the first band I listened to as a youngin. And that's I think that's what, like, sparked my interest in music. Definitely the first band I remember listening to. Was the Beatles, Mm -hmm. and I think that's always a good a good place to start because I feel like so much of what we listen to today has their inspiration, like it has their sound kind of incorporated into it, even if it's just subconsciously in the artist. Um, Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, there's something in their catalog for everyone. I've like, I've completely like, I've met people in my day. A lot of people in the punk community like like to trash the Beatles and uh i i've proved them wrong with songs like your blues and helter skelter and like you're listening to obli Oblada and like that song can get annoying i can understand that and it's like you need to like actually like hear some of like their deeper cuts and some of their harder music yeah. because like they got they got something for everyone they got, i mean they do a country song they do an old buck Owens song ringo star sings it uh what's it, what is that an act, act naturally oh really yeah. i didn't
0: know that that's cool yeah, one of my favorites that's kind of punk is uh, it's off their Help album, Dizzy Miss Lizzy. Do you ever hear that yeah. song?
1: Oh, yeah. I got Help on DVD. You ever seen the movie? Yeah,
0: I remember watching those movies with my dad. They're so goofy, <laughs> but they're a lot of fun. They're yeah. great. Yeah.
1: Hard Day's Night is nice, one of my favorite films.
0: God, I got to watch those again, man. You're sparking a lot of like old music and, and movies now I got to watch. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's cool, bro. Um, you said you were working with Matt Sycon. Is he... Was he the frontman for Jividon? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love their stuff, dude. I I still listen to a lot of that stuff that I was playing like back in high school, like junior senior yeah. year.
1: Jividon was one of the first uh first like things that I encountered in my life that I was like not only can you play music, but you can play good music. Mm. And like it can be local and it can it's not just the people on the CDs or the people on the TV, you know, it yeah. was the first time the fourth wall was broken for me was when I heard them. I, uh, I played lacrosse with, uh, Kyle freeber who was their, their first bass player. And I was like, Oh, I play music. And he's like, Oh, I play music too. I'm in this band. And they were called Jividen in the psych ward at the time. And, uh, they, uh, they, um, were just blew my mind. And then I found, uh, his siblings uh jess and chris who are both in their own respect i play in chris's group ohio civil power and i played shows with jess's group uh john's little sister and they're all dudes like dude they're like robots they're so good they're fantastic they're all amazing singers amazing songwriters the psycon family is fantastic glad to be involved with them
0: that's cool man no i i uh obviously I, i dated marlo and then her brother was in the band too so i went to a lot of shows when i was younger i'm like dude i it's so weird you say that because i felt the exact same way it was like one of those first local bands where i'm like dude these guys are fucking awesome and i like i still played their uh what was their first album that came out slow commotion slow commotion dude yes i love the album it's so good and it's like a it's almost like a dirty rock to it like it Mm -hmm. that that not perfect sound w- is what makes it so. They great. recorded
1: that all themselves. Oh yeah, yeah. They did it all at a warehouse in Seventy Second that they were living out of.
0: I think I remember meeting her brother there for the first time. If I'm not mistaken, it was like huge space, like wide open. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've yeah. ever went there. Yep. Okay,
1: I've been there a few
0: times. Okay, yeah. That's what that's what I'm thinking of. That's cool, man. No, I'm I'm glad. That's kind of like a full circle moment for you too, man. Now you're like making music with the guy that. Kind of like change your perspective on local
1: no for music. sure yeah it's definitely like somewhere i did not imagine to be uh when i was that age but grateful to be here you know it's great i hang out with matt all the time a good friend of mine and uh steve steve kessler is one of the best drummers in cleveland he uh he plays in like eight bands can't <laughs> even name them all but go see youth palette uh yeah, fantastic. He plays in Ohio Civil Power with us too. Matt also plays in Ohio Civil Power with Chris. He plays piano. He's a great piano player now. And uh yeah, dude, those dudes are great. That's awesome, man.
0: No, the the Cleveland music scene is extremely underrated. And that's a big reason of why I love it in this city, is the music scene is so cool, bro. Like the grog shop, always great shows there the fucking agora obviously like amazing shows beachland ballroom bro i saw the whalers of bob marley and the whalers at the beachland ballroom one of the best shows i've ever seen obviously it's not cleveland local music but like that venue is just that venue is this shit yeah
1: matt actually lives directly behind that venue okay and we're actually building a studio in his house very cool that's where we're gonna record his record and probably record mine
0: that's awesome man i'm looking forward to that that's gonna be cool man that's gonna be really cool
1: outside of music though bro like
0: do you have any other hobbies or like anything else that you really love to do
1: man i work in construction and i think it's some of the most rewarding work that people can do i i'm a carpenter i do uh like interior construction so i do everything from framing drywall flooring cabinetry windows doors all that stuff tile and uh that stuff. There's a lot of similarities between that and building a song too, because just like you start with like the framework, and then you build up something that starts to look like a room, and you're like, okay, I can work with this, and then you're, you're putting all the finishing touches, and it starts looking really good. You're like, this is sick, this is really cool, and it's like give something to like again walk away from and look back at. Mm-hmm. But the fun part about doing it is doing it. And it's another one of those things where the journey is, like, a really cool part of it. And it's very rewarding work. And then other than that, I uh, just hang out with my cat and play a lot of video games. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. No, I uh, I always, like, I actually ran
0: into this kid the other day at the YMCA. And he just, striked, like, struck up conversation over my tattoo. And so we just start talking. And he's an 18-year-old kid. And he's telling me what he does. He's like yeah, man, I'm just kind of working construction right now. And I could tell he was like down about it, but I told him like, bro, you were learning some amazing skills right now that you were going to be able to use for the rest of your life. Like, just know that you were in the right spot in life right now because I always think about like what I'm doing right now. I'm like, damn, I kind of wish I got in to like carpentry and like learning how to do construction work. Cause there's so much stuff around my house. I'm like, I want to change this. I want to change that. I want to do this differently. But I'm like, Damn, I don't know how to do
1: any of that right now. Yeah, man. No, it's great. It's so fun. And, like, I've been like encouraging my mom to, like, what do you want to, like, you know, do with the house and stuff like that. Like, I just, like, uh, flipped a room in her house, tore up the carpet. There was a beautiful wood floor underneath it, and uh, painted the whole room, got it all together, switched all the outlets out, and just made them all look nice. They were, like, outlets from, like, the 1960s. Mm. All the plugs were falling out of them and stuff like that. And it was just like, now it looks sick. And she just furnished it the uh, the other week. And it was just like, now it looks sweet. And it was just like super fun. I'm like, what else do you want to do, Mom? Let's fucking let's get this together. <laughs> and that's another part of the thing is um I'm living out in Concord right now watching uh my dad's condo. And uh, I'm just kind of fixing up stuff for him too. And that's just that's my rent.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's great. that's it.
1: And it's just like, all right, what do you need done? It'll just like give me like a punch list of stuff that needs done around the place. And it's just like, all right, do this stuff anyways. And you do, and you also get to like see some really cool places when you work in construction. Like, I've worked in some mansions doing like crazy trim work and cabinetry and stuff like that. I've also worked in some shitholes, but like you get to go at some places that you never thought you'd go before. And it's just like, this is really cool.
0: Yeah. I'm sure it's the same thing with music too. Like, you go to a venue and you're like bro there's a fucking shit in the urinal right now like i gotta get (laughs) out of here
1: dude (laughs) there's like there's this fucking tour i was on and i had to go i had to take a shit so bad and like when you're on tour like the venue is home you know Mm -hmm. like that's like you have a green room that's your place to like not be in a car seat and like you have to like absolutely use the facilities there and the facilities there was you walk in the back door and there was like an area where you could put your gear and then in front of you was a door to get into the bar and to the right of you was a hallway and they said the bathroom's down the hallway so i'm walking down the hallway and i look to my left and there's just like a cutout like this like just like a cutout room but like no door or anything like that and it's just a toilet no way and i was just like you got to be kidding me. And I ran it. I absolutely ran it. But I was like so anxious and so Dude. scared. Someone was about to barrel down that hallway to like change a keg or something. Yeah. And I was just like, man, I'm just like, I might as well just be like taking a shit in the bar right now. Like, this is awful. But yeah, oh, you definitely God. experience stuff like that. But also like took a shower at the House of Blues one time. That was cool.
0: That's pretty cool. No, I feel like, yeah, for every bad moment, there's a good moment too, to counteract it. What was your best experience playing music?
1: my best experience playing music was i got the opportunity uh, actually this is uh, i guess like oh that's tough touring is awesome Mm. being able to see the country and play music for other people is really cool i did a long stretch of dates in uh colorado two summers ago and uh got to spend a week in denver just playing music and stuff like that and playing in colorado springs and uh got to meet a lot of really cool people and uh that was really rewarding touring is fantastic but um i'm uh there's an old recording studio uh out our way in chardon painsville area uh called summa recording studio mm. and uh The James Gang used to practice there, if you know. That's like Joe Walsh's band there, a legendary Cleveland band. And uh, Joe Walsh went on to play with the Eagles. And um, the uh, studio owner, Paul Hammond, uh, died. And the people that the band I was recording with was recording at their studio with the engineer and the owner of that studio, which was called Somewhere Studios in Euclid um acquired the facility and uh i actually got to record there in high school which was really cool so i had some experience there with um when paul was still alive and running the place and um i got to help with the reconstruction of the place and i did a lot of work there i built two booths like a drum booth and a vocal booth there um I framed out a bunch of storage spaces in the basement and did some drywall down there um been uh working on the living quarters there uh there's gonna be like it's like a whole like plot of land and i'm really good friends with the groundskeeper there we still talk on the phone all the time An old guy named steve <laughs> he actually uh used to tour with hawkwind played bass hawkwind was lemmy's first band oh, okay and uh he toured with them in the 90s he was friends with um band called gong which is this crazy european psych band that's just like absolutely out there i implore anyone to dive into them and listen to their catalog the radio gnome trilogy which is just not for the faint of heart but uh very psychedelic and um yeah being able to work there and get to know those people and uh be a part of rebuilding history like a huge part of cleveland recording history um grand funk railroad recorded all of their shit there
0: very cool. i actually
1: got to um on the latest oregon space drill of doom record i got to play through the same bass rig that they recorded some of my favorite songs by them through which was absolutely fantastic experience and um yeah that was like one of the coolest things i got to do and that also tied into construction as well and um Just being able to like learn about sound design like now i know how to build a booth like that's completely like built for soundproofing and stuff like that like i have a lot of knowledge that i didn't get to i wouldn't get through rudimentary residential construction i Mm. actually got to go build a recording studio that's pretty cool and learn about installing like crazy stuff like that framed out the big glass window for the control room i Mm -hmm. framed that out for the install for the glass and all that stuff like really got to like a lot of creative freedom too with what i wanted to do there and um work with uh, michael seaford is the owner great guy um the studio manager at the time he's no longer working with them teddy uh, eisenberg who uh runs the eisenberg review which is a great music blog you should check them out
0: okay
1: he's uh he's great um and uh, Dave Shaw, one of the engineers there, who's a fantastic electrician and uh, electrical engineer doing uh, a lot of the repairs on their gear. And uh, Steve Taylor, groundskeeper, greatest, greatest old <laughs> dude I've ever met, man. And, uh, yeah, that was, like, one of the coolest things I got to do through music was that opportunity to work on that studio.
0: That's cool, man. You know, it's funny. I didn't, like, asking that question, I didn't expect that answer. But it's cool to hear, like, you got to build something like that and use – Skills from not you being a musician and, like, doing something else, but also, like, intertwining it. That's pretty cool, dude. Yeah. That's awesome. So, Nick, man, um, anything else you got for the people, bro? Anything else you want to talk about? I appreciate you coming on today. It's always a pleasure to to, to, to speak to an artist and really understand them and, and get their process down. Um, I'm excited for your album that's coming out soon, bro. But... Yeah, tell the tell the people where they can find you. Any other bands you got going on, and and so they can stay up to date on any drops.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm on Instagram under Smoke Narborough, like Nar, and then, L-boro like Marlboro. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that's where I'm, i I release a lot of stuff on my Instagram, just like exclusively onto my Instagram just like uh, little throwaway songs right now just to keep people um, uh, interested in things that I'm doing right now. Mm. But uh, keep your eye out for a band that I'm going to be getting together called Home Opener. That has an Instagram page if you want to go follow it. Um, It's just called Home Opener Music. And uh, yeah, uh, keep your eye out for Matt Sycon's album, uh, Ohio Civil Powers band I'm playing in uh don't think we're playing anytime soon but uh we'll have uh, a record in the works called yankee freak uh coming out soon and uh yeah keep just like check out the cleveland music scene man there's a lot of really good stuff out there youth palette son of scott ratterall is fantastic (laughs) ratterall
0: i like that name man that's pretty cool
1: dude ratterall's sick if you haven't checked them out they're like kind of like new wavy they're very cool but uh Yeah, John's Little Sister, all of them. Check out anyone in the Cleveland music scene, and you will not be disappointed.
0: Hell yeah, bro. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you coming on. It's been a blast. Um, Love to see that you're doing well and making all this music, dude. Like, I'm excited to keep hearing what you got going on. I I was just bumping. It's been a long time, actually, like a couple months ago. (laughs) And uh, I was like, oh, man, I fucking love this song. So
1: Yeah, Sam Daly. That's another person. He's down in Nashville now but Sam Daly and Zip Zap. Travis Belouche. Zip great. Zap.
0: I got a couple of their songs on a on playlist. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Zip kind Zap. They're
1: gonna be coming to Cleveland on March 3rd. I'm not even in that band, but I'm gonna promote them uh, like unashamedly because everyone should go see them at the beach one on March third.
0: Hell yeah. All right, Nick. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks everybody for listening. Peace.